A number of interview questions that can be asked by HR, the hiring manager and other interviewers is limitless. So let's say you've prepared to within an inch of your life for the interview, even filming yourself so that you manage those all-important body language and voice issues. You've practiced answers to behavioural questions such as, what would you do if? And give us an example of a time when. Imagine your horror and resultant poor performance when their first question is one of those hoary old questions you thought were as dead as a dodo. It is possible to stand out with your best answers to these interview questions. If you incorporate the following practical tips to deliver a confident, genuine and authentic response, you will be a cut above your competitors. Welcome to Career Chinwags for the 21st Century. I'm a career practitioner who's worked with thousands of clients over the last 20 years, so I've had quite a bit of time to think about career stuff. Each fortnight, I pick up on an issue that takes my fancy. Sometimes it's something very practical. For example, in episode 11, I looked at some quick fixes that you can make to your cover letters so that they do what you want, which is to make the reader want to read your resume. Other episodes, I cover more big picture topics. For example, thinking about what is it that's important for you to be happy at work and what sort of work suits you. In today's episode, I'm going to cover some of the very, very common interview questions that you're likely to face and give you my suggestions as to how to answer them. The first one is probably the most common introductory question you will ever face, and I find that I actually use it myself, and it's, tell us a little bit about yourself. Now, if you think about it, at least one of the people facing you is your prospective boss. And what I recommend is not to try and impress from a technical point of view, but to use this, it's usually the first question, use this first question to get them to like you, to get them to relax. So they listen to your answer and they just instinctively and probably unconsciously think, okay, she's nice. This is going to be an enjoyable interview. I can see myself working with her. Whatever you do, do not start with a chronological listing of every job you've had since school or university. It will bore people to tears and it makes you look like a bit of a plodder. I think it also makes you look lacking in self-awareness that you think people would actually want to listen to that. One of my colleagues has a model where she gets people to use past, present and future as a way of introducing themselves. So the past, obviously, is where have they come from? The present is what are they doing at the moment, and the future is where they would like to head. So that's a model you can use. For whatever reason, it doesn't resonate with me. I think I probably always like the people I work with to do something slightly unusual or more interesting. Here's my suggestion, but beware, this suggestion works for Australia, and the reason it works for Australia is here, generally we like to get a feel for what the person is like outside of work. So generally, there's a little bit of leeway for you to talk a little bit, only a little bit, about who you are as a person or your private life. And I recommend you divide your answer up into two separate parts. Part one is brief, normal, interesting and memorable glimpse into your personal life. So when I engaged Kim, who works with me now, she said something like, 
I'm always someone who likes to follow her dreams. Once I have my heart set on achieving a goal, I do whatever I can to make that goal a reality. So years ago, after reading the book Memoirs of a Geisha, I decided I wanted to experience living in Japan. And so I did. I spent five years there as a tutor, teaching English, of course. So it's pretty stock standard and normal, but notice the deliberate reference to Japan. There are not that many Australians who've lived there. You're likely to be remembered as, that's right, she's the one who lived in Japan. Part two needs to be stronger. Pick up on key elements of the position that you're applying for, but again, make sure you just use normal coffee shop talk. So let's look at an example, which might apply to someone like me, for example. I love working as a career specialist. I spend most of the day helping people to be happier at work, and I have the most wonderful conversations with people from all walks of life. They've usually never had this type of support before, and they're amazed at how helpful it is, and they're positive and motivated. You can't get much more rewarding work than that. Question number two, what are your strengths? This question's actually great because you get to decide your content. If it comes early in the interview, give them three separate qualities. Now that can get a bit long, so you'll need to make sure you use structure so that you're able to hold their attention and yet still give them detailed content. If you've ever been to a public speaking course, they'll usually advise you, tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, and then tell them what you've told them. If you use steps one and two of this model, it works. Obviously, you would eliminate step three. You wouldn't summarise what you've just told them. It would sound very odd and make you look a little bit pompous. So again, let's look at an example. So step one, I have a deep understanding of the local job market. I'm able to inspire people to stretch themselves and I have strong technical skills in all aspects of job search. So they were the three qualities. That's step one. Step two is to give proof of each of those three qualities one at a time. So you can see how this can get quite long. So in relation to my local job market knowledge, I blah, 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 and you deliver further content. I mentioned that I'm also able to persuade clients to try strategic job search activities, blah, 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 and again, you go on to give more content. And then finally, my approach to critical marketing content, such as resumes and LinkedIn's, means that once again, you give further content. The above answer delivers a lot of information in a well-structured way. But it is long, so your delivery style needs to be, of course, appropriate for the seniority of the role you're applying for, but above all, engaging. Another very common question, especially in government circles, is what would you do in your first 90 days? This question allows you to show your strategic thinking and your self-awareness. It's actually an easy question to answer, and I've got four steps that will help you. Firstly, make sure you've read The First 90 Days by Michael Watkins. It's the most amazing book. You should read it anyway. And as his blurb says, it's become the go-to resource for anyone being promoted or onboarded into a new organisation. It really is a great book. And it's also a very easy read. 
Step two, research the organisation and the industry and focus specifically on future challenges they're likely to have. Step number three, construct your content. Use the same step one and step two model that I talked about earlier to present your information. And finally, find somebody with a good strategic mind. Get them to vet your content to check that it's pitched at the right level and that it picks up all the key points. Above all, be clear and concise and sound like you have a strong plan that you will execute. Common question number four, what are your weaknesses? You've got two essential choices here. The first is to choose a weakness which you hope will actually be viewed as a strength. Now, I have done this myself a long time ago, but I don't recommend this approach. It's far too obvious. The second choice is to mention a weakness and then state what you've done to overcome this weakness. This shows self-awareness and also that you're open to self-improvement. If possible, highlight a technical weakness that is not relevant for the position. So obviously, when we're talking about technical skills, we're talking about ones that you can learn, for example, how to use software or how to use equipment. Only mention a soft skills weakness if they specifically ask for one. And these skills are often referred to as people skills. And again, mention one that's not relevant for the position. So here's an example, firstly, of a technical weakness and then a soft skills weakness if, say, somebody was applying for the role as a finance manager. So technical, this person's deciding to talk about report writing because she thinks it's not a critical skill in a finance manager's role. When I first started writing monthly reports, I was told that my grammar wasn't good enough and that my content was quite waffly. I knew that if I wanted to succeed in more senior roles, I couldn't ignore this. So I enrolled in a very serious business English course. And then I continued to keep learning by tapping into the language skills of one of my colleagues, who was a bit of a grammar guru. It took about eight months to come to grips with it. But now I'm praised for how correct and how succinct my written language is. And the irony is that I now mentor other staff members and I'm referred to as the apostrophe queen. Okay, soft skills weakness, impatience. I used to joke and say that I was the type of person who wanted everything done yesterday. It didn't take me long as a young graduate, though, to realise two things. Other people didn't necessarily feel my sense of urgency. And also, it wasn't always necessary to operate at 100 miles an hour. As a manager, I now, blah, 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 and describe how you now behave. Once you've answered... Remain silent. Don't feel pressured to provide more details about weaknesses. It's their turn to speak now. Standard question number five, why do you want this job? Don't utter a bland, forgettable statement. If your response could be said about any job in the organisation, it's a dud answer. The basis of your answer should be the employer's needs. So at a minimum, focus on two areas. Firstly, focus on the technical elements of the role. Analyse exactly what you can offer them, assessed against the key requirements of the role, and incorporate a little bit of subtle flattery about the organisation. So here's an example. 
I've always needed to work in organisations with a focus on excellence and on speed to market. The fact that your products hit the market just six weeks after they get the design go-ahead is very impressive. With my background in injection moulding, I'm very interested in applying the newest technology, plus using step change practices to look at even faster product development. And I think I'll be able to do that here. The second thing to focus on is the culture of the organisation and your business unit. These days you'll find almost all applicants, and therefore all of your competitors, research the organisation's website. That alone will not set you apart. Research your hiring manager as well, if possible. Hunt down their key clients as well as their products and their services. Factor in industry challenges they're likely to face. And assess how well their values fit with your own approach to work. And then outline the match between you and the culture or the challenges of the organisation. Your first company value is, we want our customers to have fun. I can't tell you how much that resonates with me. It was exactly my approach as the general manager of 10 leisure centres in my last role. In such a low-paying industry, we focused on hiring staff who had the energy and love of the industry to win new customers through word of mouth. And I'd love to bring that same approach here. I can't believe any sophisticated interviewer still asks some of these questions but they appear time and time again in published lists. And my clients tell me that they face these questions. So yes, they're stodgy, but they still offer you the opportunity to distinguish yourself. Your interviewer will have heard answers to these questions so often that it becomes much more important that you differentiate yourself from the crowd in a positive way, of course. So just like those Boy Scouts, be prepared. Another common question, why are you leaving your current role? Unfortunately, there's no copybook answer to this question. Your response will depend a great deal on your particular circumstances. If you've only been in the job for a year, your answer will be totally different than if you've been there for 15 years. If your role has been made redundant, this can shape your answer. At a minimum, you should never criticise your current or previous employer or organisation. And of course, avoid such standard statements like, oh, I'm looking for a new challenge. Now, a couple of years ago, I had the most amazing experience. A client I was working with had an interview before she started working with me. She decided that when she was asked this question, she would say the following. My boss had quite a vendetta against me and it ended up with him pretending to make me redundant. And then sometime later, I got a phone call from the recruiter who happened to know me. Catherine, can you tell me more about this person you're working with? I was going to recommend her for the job, but then she just seemed to have a meltdown. She went on and on about how awful her former boss was. Talk about all the gory details. Is there something wrong with her? No surprises. My client was dropped for consideration for the role. At our next meeting... We debrief her phone call so that she was better prepared next time for that potentially awkward question that she'd answered so unwisely. Another common question is, what do you know about our organisation? Now, I'm presuming that you've done your homework and that you've, of course, thoroughly researched the organisation, but with so much information available, it can be difficult to know exactly what it is you should say. But at a minimum, as I mentioned earlier, avoid the mundane Frame your answer based on what you want them to think about you, 
So if it's that you're values-driven, for example, talk in an interesting way about how their values resonate with you. If it's that you're a creative problem solver, highlight a recent innovation they've come up with and make it clear that you're on the same wavelength. Sound sensible and above all, sound normal. Sometimes after an interview, you'll miss out on a role. It happens to all of us. And sometimes it's good that you miss out. There's often a mismatch between a perfectly good candidate and the role on offer. And it's better that at least one party realises before the job offer is made. And in this case, we usually pick ourselves up, dust ourselves off and get on with our job search. What I find such a pity is the totally avoidable situation where you're well suited to the role, but you miss out because of poor interview skills. I often say to my clients, I can't change who you are. I can just make you more clever than your competitors so that you get the job and they don't. Really, what we're talking about here is when you're one of the competitors who misses out because of an unintelligent approach to interviews. Don't let it happen. This is podcast number 15. My downloads are increasing, but I don't have many subscribers yet. So if you like what you've heard, I'd love it if you could share this podcast or leave a review. I'm still doing a podcast every fortnight. And next episode, I'm going to continue with the theme of job interviews. I'm going to talk about some very basic issues that you need to think about so that you present well. Remember, if you want to review what we've talked about, check out the full show notes at careerconsult.com.au. There you'll find perhaps an article, perhaps an infographic, perhaps a video that summarise what I've been talking about. I'll repeat that, careerconsult.com.au. And I do a mail out once a fortnight. It might be a video, it might be a blog, it might be an infographic. If you're interested, you'll find a sign-up form on the website. Let's end with the hashtag, hashtag, why not be happy at work? <laughs>